Howdy. Hello. And welcome to a brand new edition of the Selby is Godcast. I am TJ Zuppi. He is Zach Meisel. You can find us on Twitter at TJ Zuppi, at Zach Meisel, and at Selby is Godcast. What is up, my brother? Just another Groundhog Day here in balmy Cleveland, Ohio. It is actually a nice day. I don't see any snowflakes out there, so you know things are going well if we're starting the podcast talking weather. (laughs) The only times we've ever talked weather is we complain about the winter weather and the doldrums of December and January, and now... Oh, I'd kill for a normal off season. I was thinking, like, they're probably not going to be able to hold the winter meetings, right? They might still be like, playing the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as getting all those people together, I mean, we have no real way of knowing whether that's even a distinct possibility because we don't even know, A, if games are going to get played, and B, when even if they, they are able to play games, are those going to be with fans in the stands? I really doubt that at least based on what we know so far so i don't know how you're going to get thousands of people together in one small little space and call that safe but i'm not in charge so whatever (laughs) yeah i was just wondering how whatever happens this year if there's a season or not we haven't even begun to think about how that could impact the ensuing off season Um, and not just i mean we've touched a little bit about on you know what it means for the Indians and Lindor and all that stuff, but in terms of the league and the league schedule and you know and the winter meetings are usually a pretty big deal and big you know a big money maker for the league in terms of TV time and just general widespread interest um, and that I mean you could even talk about going into spring training next year if the season ends in mid December I don't think anyone's going to want to report to Goodyear Arizona on. You know, February 4th. So, <laughs> Yeah, and also, we, we've talked about this before. They, even teams that go deep into October have to be mindful of their pitchers, how they approach mm-hmm. next spring training. Well, if they somehow get back on the field and they're playing games into November, what does the offseason off look like for those pitchers? And then are we going to see a, a, a giant outburst of pitching injuries the next year because guys aren't getting their typical offseason? I mean, how far could this actually extend into the future in changing entire career paths, not just paths of franchises with teams that are losing a a whole year of service time for a guy like Lindor, who is still going to be here for another year beyond this one, but a team like L.A. too, and they trade for Mookie Betts, and maybe he never plays for them. I can't – when you sit here and think about all the the, – and, of course, we acknowledge that it is still not – anywhere close to the most important thing in the grand scheme of things, but it is what we talk about and think about on a pretty much daily basis. And it is crazy how many different things could be impacted for many years to come. Yeah. The the pitching thing is interesting because guys had built up to the point where like Bieber was what two, one, one or two spring training starts away from being ready for his opening day start. So you, they, they were all ramping up and had almost built up to where they'd be. And then you cool back down instead of just launching into a six month season. And then now I've been checking in with guys all week and like the stories I've heard of 
some guys like trying to throw a makeshift bullpen session in the park and getting yelled at by an old lady <laughs> or other guys. I mean, the other thing you have to remember, okay, maybe you find a partner and you, you're ready to throw your bullpen session, but unless you're like roommates or brothers with a major league catcher, the person who's catching your 95 mile an hour fastballs in this bullpen session is not used to catching 95 mile an hour fastballs. So like, they're trying to keep their arms in shape, but it's not quite working exactly how you dream hey, it up. Hey, Grandma, stand back here. I'm going to put this <laughs> exactly. We're all about masks, right? Well, I'm going to put this catcher's mask on you, and it's going to protect you from this heat that I'm throwing away. Oh, and by the way, we might be socially distanced at 60 feet, 6 inches, but here comes this baseball that I lathered up with my spit just seconds before releasing it in your direction. Good luck, everybody. Well, I don't think... Gaylord Perry's not still throwing bullpen sessions, but yeah, I, I, I know at least two players who have been kicked off of a field where they were just trying to play catch on one of their days that they needed to play catch. Um, I know two pitchers were throwing to each other, but because neither of them is a catcher, they put a net in front of where home plate would be. And then the catcher sat behind the net so that they wouldn't actually be receiving the impact of, you know, the 95-mile-an-hour pitch. It, it, it's a mess. But the point is, you had pitchers ramping up, getting almost to that point where they're ready to go, and then cooling back down. And then at some point, maybe they ramp back up again for this makeshift season that lasts later than it normally would. And then you're going to cool and then get going again. And like, you're right. It's, it's a mess. I am wondering if it's going to lead to more injuries or just alter guys' careers. It's, it's just so bizarre. Um, after these guys are such creatures of habits, they've done the same thing for years and years and years. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And, and you don't even know as you're trying to keep your arm fresh to what level do you keep it fresh? Mm -hmm. Because you can't be out there wasting for a pitcher. If you want to think of it in terms of, of ammunition per pitch, there's only so many bullets in that gun for a season that you want to fire. So to what level are you training <laughs> the battery a bit? If you're throwing to grandma in the park, even at 80%, that's still throws that you're making. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. I mean, there's no, there's, you're just yelling into the wind at this point because there's no alternative here. There's, there's no bad guy other than just this thing happening on this grand scale around the world. So there's not really anything to be done on the other end to, negate any of this or to have a better solution for anybody but it's just this weird place that we exist in and i can't even imagine being a player not knowing how and when to get ramped up for a season you, you might have guys coming back 30 pounds heavier than when they left i remember the old stories about sean kemp hmm. because of the lock it was a lockout i think uh the year yeah. after they had acquired him so he comes over he's a superstar from seattle and first year in Cleveland not bad and then he comes in the next year after the lockout and he is nowhere close to in shape as the stories go and there are people that think that totally altered him ever being a good player ever again in his career are we going to see that are we going to see you know, Rondo Reyes put in a lot of work to be able to play the outfield can he still play the outfield as of right now I have no idea I haven't seen him <laughs> I think it goes for non-baseball players too. I mean, I think this quarantine, you're either committed to a workout routine and you're biking in the park every day, going for long walks, 
or you're just sitting on the couch and watching everything Netflix has to offer and eating powdered donuts. I mean, that's, it's, it's going to be one way or the other. No one is like going through this quarantine, just like staying in the exact shape they were in before. Everyone's either going to be just ripped and, or super skinny, or they're going to have put on 50 pounds by the end of this. And then they're going to be stuck to the couch for a lot longer than they have to be. I know what Vegas's odds are saying about my situation. Uh, so as this continues and we've been finding different things to talk about each and every single week, whether it's old games, to recap or player drafts, and we're still trying to brainstorm up some different ideas to keep you guys entertained. And we thank everybody that has stuck with us um, over at Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. And then of course, those that support the podcast over at anchor. Now I bring up anchor for a very key reason one, to tell people that they can support the podcast, and we certainly try to do that as much as possible. The second and maybe more important point that I'm trying to make is on Anchor, you can follow the podcast, but there's also an option where you can drop a, it's kind of like a voicemail for a podcast. And then the podcast hosts, if, if they like whatever you're, you're saying on the, the, the voicemail, they can play it like a call on their show. It could be like a call-in show, just delayed with, with voicemails. And so from time to time we get them and most of them are just other podcast hosts trying to get us to put plugs for their podcast and in our podcast, it's just like this whole networking pyramid scheme. But I got one that, that really caught my ear and it caught my eye too, when I saw what the, the actual memo of this podcast is. But for a little backstory, if you remember Zach, a couple of off seasons ago, when Bryce Harper was a free agent, we had a, a fun episode where we tried to dream up any conspiracy theories and, and maybe try to debunk why the Indians were, were going through the offseason that they were having, where they were cutting all that payroll. And could it be that they're actually cutting all this payroll so they can throw all this money together to sign this mega free agent? And you were convinced that they were bringing in Bryce Harper, right? I'm not putting words in your mouth. <laughs> no, I, there was a morning when I mentioned it to you and I just went through how it would be possible. And that if you didn't know anything about their finances or the way their ownership operated, you could make an argument that this was something they were doing. Now, did we actually believe they were signing Bryce Harper? No. Did we actually believe they were interested in signing Bryce Harper? No. And we, who said that, that immediately, who said, that this is not, there's no iota of truth to that conspiracy theory. But we have episodes to fill and our brains go all over the place and saying, hey, maybe the Indians are clearing all this money to sign Bryce Harper is far from the craziest idea we've ever had. Yeah, I think having the first episode was probably the craziest idea that we've ever had. So... That kind of brings us up to speed as far as why we, we, we talk about this now. We, so we get this, this uh, voicemail from this random person. I don't know who it is. And within the voicemail, it begins to talk about conspiracy theories. And for a little additional background, that episode with Bryce Harper was titled something like conspiracy theories and other crazy ideas or, or something but conspiracy theories was in the title for that podcast 
ever since I put that up, we randomly and occasionally get follows from people that think we are a conspiracy theory podcast. <laughs> that you and I sit here and try to tell you that the moon landing wasn't real. Or that this is actually a flat earth. And the globe earthers are all just a bunch of crazy idiots. And, and this, this is what people think our podcast is because we have one podcast that was labeled conspiracy theories. Well, look, and how else it are continues we to get Kyrie Irving to listen to our podcast? <laughs> it continues to get that that one episode randomly gets favorites and likes on Anchor for no other reason than it has conspiracy theory in the title. And people think that this is a conspiracy theory podcast. So then I get this voicemail. So let's listen to it real quick. Hey, TJ and Zach, I appreciate your your fun twist on conspiracies, how you don't believe them, but you like to stimulate your brain with different points of views. I really enjoy that, and that vibe is amazing, so keep doing it. I hope you become the number one conspiracy theory podcast forever in the whole world. Okay, so initially, Zach, when he starts talking about how we do such a great job, and he mentions us by name. So I'm thinking, okay, this guy actually listens. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get about five seconds into the voicemail. And I'm thinking, what in the fuck is this guy talking about? And then I remember the conspiracy theories. So he didn't listen to a second of this podcast, but he felt a need to drop us a voicemail and tell us that he hopes that we become, well, how did he phrase it? The best conspiracy theory podcast in the nation (laughs) well i think we should take another step in that direction today what do you have in mind because the last time this happened we got voicemails like this well when you sent me the voicemail i immediately texted back and said (laughs) this is basically a green light for me to share more indians conspiracy theories because boy do i have a list So I came up with my top five. You want to go through (laughs) these real quick? Your top five? So you're saying there's more than five. I needed to stop myself because they were coming coming to my mind way too easily. And it was starting to scare me. And then I wondered maybe if we are just really conspiracy theorists who talk about Indians baseball. I have. Okay. Well, so I have five. Okay. I will – how about you lay it out, why it could be possible, and then I'll kind of rate it scale of 1 to 10, 10 being extremely likely that this is possible, and 1 is this is Bryce Harper all over again. Okay. Ready? Drum roll, <laughs> Ready please. as I'll ever be, yes. Number 1. Conspiracy theory number 1. Marlon Bird is still in progressive field somewhere. Let me explain. In 2016, he played for the Indians in April and May, and at the end of May, he packed up one night after a game, supposedly left the ballpark, but no one ever saw him again because the next day it was revealed he was busted for PEDs. It was a 162-game suspension. He was gone. Never came back. No one ever saw him at his locker. Do we have proof that he ever left Progressive Field? (laughs) No, I don't think so. And Marlon Bird, do we know if he got a World Series ring? Most, most of the time that someone in his situation would receive one. 
It's not like he ever came back to Progressive Field to pick up his ring. Um, no one has ever seen him. And I know a lot of that 16 team was pretty tight. It's not like you see Marlon Bird popping up in the background of pictures with Cody Allen and Jan Gomes and Corey Kluber when they're in Napa Valley drinking wine. Uh, so I, I got to wonder, you know, Marlon Bird might still be in Progressive Field. I don't think he ever left. I don't think he ever wanted to face the music. Maybe he got sucked into a time vortex, or maybe he sat down and played a game of Jumanji. I mean, he wouldn't be I, the I first know. player to ever climb up into the ceiling and get lost. <laughs> that's, that's, that is absolutely true. Um, who was – oh, uh, remember when Adam Simber first came to the Indians, he admitted that he got lost in a couple back hallways and couldn't find his way back to the locker room. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess it's it's absolutely somewhat possible that even if he's still not there, that somehow he got pulled into a some sort of multiverse. I don't know gateway. I'm going to say the likelihood of that being because I don't have anything. I mean, there's I, I, do I have social media posts? Do I? Can I go check to see? Is is Marlon Bird on Snapchat? Is he on Twitter? Is he on Instagram? Is is there some proof of him going somewhere? I mean, there's no it's nothing we've seen. I mean, who even thought of that guy after the day he was suspended? Everybody writes their articles, you read about it. The team like wasn't that good yet. No one gave Marlon Bird another nanosecond of thought the rest of that season. And now, of course, why would you ever need to think of him? Um, unless you want to talk about, oh, the Indians outfield was terrible on opening day. Here's who started in the outfield um, to prove that, hey, it's okay if the starting outfield on opening day is DeShields, Mercado, and uh, Luplo. Anyway, I, I think Marlon Bird is still in progressive field. He never left. Um, he's just sitting in a dark closet somewhere eating leftover Sugardale hot dogs. I'll give that a five. Okay. Yeah, because I, I haven't physically seen him, or, or like you said, his name hasn't really popped up anywhere. So I'll say it's it's at least it's, uh, plausible. Conspiracy theory number two. Omar Vizquel had a third hand. Let me explain. Number one. How else do you explain his confidence in turning his back to home plate to catch a ball over the shoulder? No player ever does that. This guy does it for fun, on purpose, in the middle of a game that matters um, and, and never screwed up. Always, always makes the catch and then does that little thing where he, like, he uses his glove and just kind of like wipes. It. Yeah, it, it's bizarre. Um, but he knew if he like bobbled it or something, well, he had two other hands that could grab it. Uh, also keep in mind, this guy thought he stood a chance. If he ever came to blows with Jose Mesa, I don't think anyone would favor Omar Vizquel, but if you knew he had three hands, I mean, that's a, that's an extra hand to surprise Mesa with a right jab, a left jab, a middle jab. Um, (laughs) so it just makes too much sense. And also imagine that happening in a fight. (laughs) Like that was that was that was his left hand. That was his, wait. Where the did that come from? <laughs> That's you can't prepare for that. Float like a butterfly, sting like a 
three-armed bandit. Um, that's what Muhammad Ali always said. And then also he was, he is an incredibly talented artist, paints, draws, um, as teach. Are you going to the bathroom during this podcast? I'm in the, the basement. Um, but he was always... I, it's the only remotely quiet place in this house. He would draw pictures of people, portraits, so quickly. And the only way I could explain it is he had one, one hand, like three hands, and there was a, a paintbrush or a... What do people used to draw? A colored pencil? <laughs> in each hand. And it was just... It's how he was able to complete his artwork in such rapid fashion. So you Drum cannot, like your French girl, you cannot convince me Omar Vizquel only had two hands. No, he had a third. Uh, well, that would certainly explain why he was popular with, with the ladies during the time. <laughs> and uh, it might also explain why he screwed up that bunt. You know, he had three hands, he had an additional hand getting in the way. Where do you put the third hand on a bunt? You're trying not to get injured. Yeah. Okay. Um, that one, uh, I think I'm going to give that one a seven. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know how many times Omar got his shirt pulled off on the field. So we could go check that. And uh, if it didn't happen, I don't think he said it was because his wife was mad or something. Jose Altuve. Yeah, I don't know. I'll just say, uh, I'll say that's, uh, that's a little bit more plausible. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, I mean, the guy was barehanding every grounder sent his way, and he said, well, that's he didn't have a glove growing up, and he would just barehand rocks or whatever they were using, bottle caps. Um, well, okay, well, that'll beat up your hand a little bit, but when you've got three to choose from, it makes it a little bit easier. <laughs> Give me the third one. Conspiracy theory number three. Josh Beckett's ex-girlfriend was in on it the whole time. All right. This one is, is just an opinion, and it's I don't have a ton of evidence. But remember, Taylor Swift was supposed to sing the national anthem before game five of the 2007 ALCS at Jacobs Field. The Indians had a 3-1 series lead. Taylor Swift ended up not being able to sing the anthem, and instead they brought in Danielle Peck, who was a local singer – and the former girlfriend of Josh Beckett, who started that night, absolutely shoved and changed the complexion of that series, which the Red Sox would go on to win. And this is simple. I just I, I'm very suspicious that why would you agree to sing an anthem? You know, your ex-boyfriend is on the mound. Like, why do you want to get involved with all that? Uh, I just I, I don't buy it. But how would that be motivation for Beckett then? If so, he he wasn't in on it, but she was. Did she secretly want him to perform well? Yeah, she still had feelings for him. That's oh. that's my theory. Okay, now that makes some sense. Maybe she was trying to get back in his good graces, but then also maybe that didn't favor her because man, that did make him mad. And then he went out there and yeah. Okay, so if you if you phrase it that way, I'll I'll give that one another seven. Yeah. I mean, this one's simple. I, I don't have, you know, I'm not digging into my bag of tricks to pull something out that sounds far-fetched, even though, hey, show me Vizquel only has two hands, and I'll agree with you. You can't. But this one, I mean, I just, come on. It's <laughs> it's simple. You, you, you wouldn't try to get involved and mess with the mojo that that team had 
because um, they seem destined to win the World Series, and it just wasn't meant to be because she had to get involved. We really could blame this on Taylor Swift if we want, but um, that's for another day. Yeah, I don't want to give her ammunition for a whole other album, so let's move on. <laughs> Conspiracy theory number four. <laughs> Manny Ramirez was actually a genius. All right. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> Ten, right now. Let me explain. He had uncashed checks in his locker, but was asking reporters for loans that he knew he could easily avoid repaying. Number one, loved pulling the, I don't really speak much English card, so that helps. Whenever you need to go to that, you go to that, and you don't have to repay the loans. Number two, the reporters are looking at him like, are you crazy? And they're laughing. That's the perfect person to take advantage of. Um. You know, they see these uncashed checks in the locker. They're like, oh, this guy is hilarious. Like, there's no one like Manny. Meanwhile, he's over here, like, prepping for his future and building fun trust funds for his kids. I mean, this is just absolute genius. Of course, the reporters in question, Sheldon Knocker and Paul Hoynes, told him, do you know what a reporter makes? We don't have money to loan you. Are you crazy? <laughs> but uh, Manny Ramirez and Julian Tavares wanted to buy motorcycles, I think, was the was the deal. Why they couldn't use the checks in their lockers is beyond me. Um, but keep in mind, I mean, he was all about branding and marketing. And we had the Manny being Manny, which everyone, it, they made it, they fell in love with the guy. Meanwhile, he's over here thinking Chad OJ is in the white Bronco driving down the highway, not realizing it's OJ Simpson. Okay, yeah, but that's actually him being funny. Like he is one step ahead, always a step ahead. Oh, maybe if I track down this ball, give a fan a high five and throw it back to the infield. Like, yeah, is it going to piss off my manager? But it's just going to buy me so much more goodwill from the people. He was always <laughs> a step ahead and just thinking more critically than us commoners. And, and that's why I think Manny Ramirez is actually a genius. And there's no better proof than, oh, everyone forgot about Manny. And now we just think of him as this guy who, who failed a couple drug tests and didn't make the Hall of Fame. Okay, well, the 48-year-old Manny Ramirez now is going to throw it out there that he wants to keep playing in Taiwan, I think. Like, that's he, he's a genius. He knows he needs to get back in the good graces and make everyone's lasting impression of him be something positive or funny. So you're saying maybe he's sitting there one day like, maybe they're on to me and they actually think I am smart. I need to do something. Hey, Johnny Damon, let me cut off this throw. Yes. Like the, it, it's not it's not a smart and stupid divide it's it's like you know your, your kid falls on his face and is crying but like it was cute so you laugh at it um as as you console your kid like it, it's like that it's it's he's you would make a terrible father <laughs> no it's a, you know what i'm talking about like i <laughs> He guesses the kid is bleeding on the ground. <laughs> oh my god, that was hilarious! You Thank take you, you take us letting me get that on TikTok. <laughs> you take <laughs> you take a small hit in the short term for the long term goodwill, um, and it's it's the guy is just as as intelligent as it gets. I am all for the galaxy brain of Manny Ramirez. I'm going to give that one a ten. That is absolutely plausible. <laughs> and it would be the greatest long con, uh, perhaps, of all time. Yeah, I mean, he, 
Look, he had... <laughs> it all started the day that he hit the ground rule double, and he's like, hey, what if I just keep running <laughs> around the bases? Everyone's going to freaking laugh. And that's the and thing, then... <laughs> is he was committed from day one. <laughs> that's what people don't appreciate. Oh, I'm going to pretend like after I took second base that I saw the ball go foul and start walking back to the first base. And, oh, I'm tagged out. Whoops. <laughs> Who else but Manny? Are right, you ready for the big one? Oh, yeah. I am so uh, – mostly because I need to tell you that you're crazy about one of these, but they all sound so good. Well, you're not going to tell me I'm crazy about this one. This one is ironclad. Conspiracy theory number five. Betsy Kling, local weather person, is a Chicago Cubs fan. What? So, why did the Indians lose the World Series in 2016? Uh, Because Corey Kluber and Andrew Miller ran out of gas? No, no, come on. Those two, I, I set you up for a false, <laughs> false black bear. Um, no, it, it's it has nothing to do with that. How did the game end? What was the we- what was the weather like? Think about the well, weather it, here. It was uh, it was uh, it was an all right day until uh, I think it was like, like seventy inside. degrees. I seem to remember uh, that. That final few frames not going as planned, and everyone sort of taking a, a small breather because, uh, oh, yeah, this, there was some rain that fell. When have you ever seen? I mean, how often have you seen a rain delay that lasts, what, 16 minutes? Let alone, how often do you see that happen in a playoff game? And then, how often do you see that happen in game seven of the World Series? Um, no. Yeah, it's pretty small sample size. Yeah, the, the rain they were worried about was the rain that came pouring down as the team with as the Cubs were finishing up their celebration on the field. Um, but, you know, we've heard all the stories about how the Indians retreated to their clubhouse and they saw the plastic on the lockers and the champagne had been wheeled in just in case. And then we've heard all the stories about how the Cubs went back to their clubhouse and Jason Hayward gave this impassioned speech to rile up his Cubs and end the 108-year curse. Meanwhile, the teams in the league are talking, trying to get a grip on what the forecast is like. And we know the Indians have a partnership with the local NBC affiliate here in Cleveland, Channel 3, WKYC, and Betsy Kling, the chief meteorologist over there. I just think, I think she knew. I think she knew the Cubs needed to reset. They were shook after Aroldis Chapman gave up the home run. Um, Remember, Kipnis's foul ball that a lot of people thought was going to hang on and and curl right around the foul pole in right field. And everyone forgets the Santana one just before that that he misses and probably should have crushed into the bleachers. And I just – I think if you trace it all back, you can – you can deduce that it's wow. whoever was running the operation in the Channel 3 Weather Center. And Goodness. I think Betsy Kling needs to answer for it. Jeez. Well, I would like to say that the thoughts and opinions expressed by Zach Meisel do not necessarily reflect that of the Selvius Godcast, TJ Zupi, or anyone else with a rational brain. 
Okay. Well, I mean, I was wondering why you didn't call out like Mark Johnson or like why why it was it was poor Betsy, but I mean, she's really committed to this then because whose face do you see training, during during every Indians she's game? Such a she's such a huge Indians fan. She's always you know wearing sporting some Indians gear on the on the the scoreboard and almost like going out of her way to rub it in your face. How much of an Indians fan she is because she's not. Wow. That's, that's kind of crazy, man. You know what? I'm not, I don't think that's, I think you've gone too far. Hmm. I think you've gone. I think you've crossed the line. Here's the line and you've officially crossed it. I'm just saying it's, it's something that's never been answered. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Who, what was the information? Because nobody's asked the question. What was the information provided to those charge that night that determined we got to put the target right now after nine innings of baseball in game seven of the freaking World Series as we're approaching midnight and then take it back off after freaking 15 minutes? And not, I, I mean, it, it, imagine if, if, the teams remain tied after the 10th inning, then you're talking a pretty lengthy rain delay after that. So why not just play through the drizzle and then have the lengthy rain delay if you need it, you know, 45 minutes later? It just, it doesn't add up to me. And I think there's a mole involved because that's the only explanation. Wow. All right. Well, I don't know if if Betsy's going to appreciate you throwing her under the bus like that, but. If that's your theory, man, that's your theory. And I eagerly await more YouTube videos where you sit here and point out all of the different ways that it could have been possible. It's good. That's right. be For good real, time. though, I nothing against Betsy Kling if she's listening for some godforsaken reason. Um, <laughs> Betsy, we love you, and I'm just really trying to get our podcast to be the number one conspiracy theorist podcast, like our buddy Desired. Well, we're quickly on our way, I think, because we're the only one that is blending Indians baseball and conspiracy theories that I know of. But if you would like to drop us a, a voicemail about all the things you like or don't like about the show, maybe we'll include it in the future. And I've never really talked about that being a feature for us on the podcast, but it is possible if you go over to Anchor, our show page over there, anchor.fm slash Selby is Godcast, and uh, yeah, you can favorite the podcast there and drop us a, a voicemail if you'd like to uh, do a quick shout out. We can try to bring those in in the future. I don't see why not. All right, you ready for a random exclusive? Jerry Spradlin. It is not. Can you just calm yourself Sorry. for a second? So I'm you on a hot this right out of the gate. This one shouldn't be too difficult because it's uh, it's pretty recent. Uh, in fact, his final year with the Indians was that fateful 2016 season. That was his last appearance in the major leagues until last year. So he spent, let's see here, parts of three seasons with the Indians from 2014 to 2016. During that time, he made 53 appearances with the Tribe, a 629 yeah. ERA over those 53 appearances. Then he comes back in 2019, spends a couple of games with the Twins, 13 games with the Tigers. Overall, he puts up a ERA Jeez. of 702. 
So career ERA over his four seasons of 645, over 68 appearances, 75 in a third innings, 58 punch outs. Any early I'm also going to guess that he's from Alabama and his favorite hobby is hunting and his name is Austin Adams. That would be correct, sir. It is Austin Adams who threw hard, but uh, has not led to much success so far in the major leagues. He seemed like a good enough guy a few times. He was the king of that uh, uh, I-71 shuttle. Yeah, he he got sent up and down many times. So drafted by the Brewers in the 27th round of the 08 draft, then drafted by the Indians in the fifth round of the 09 draft, traded to the Angels in 2017 for player to be named or cashed. And then uh, came a free agent, signed with the Twins in 18, was selected off waivers by the Tigers in 19, signed back with the Twins, and now has actually signed again with the Twins. Uh, on a free agent deal. So he's not done yet. He's still out there and trying to make it back. But unfortunately for Austin and everybody else, I have no idea. I when think I have a sixth conspiracy theory. And that is that the twins keep signing Austin Adams to give them Intel on the Indians. Did you know that he is 33 years old? Now I would have guessed that he's actually older, but the funny thing is when he actually played with the Indians, I swore that he was younger. <laughs> he was like, he's a guy that you hear coming up through the system. And then when he actually arrives and you see that he's 27, you go, wait, huh? I'm, I'm imagining that he's a prospect. He was taken in the fifth round, but now he's coming up and he's 27. He's at that advanced age. So he's pitching in 2016. You're like, oh, this guy's going to figure it out. No way. He's almost 30 years old. It is crazy old. if you think about it. Like if you go to college for four years and maybe you have an early birthday, you could be like, Closing in on 23 by the time you get drafted, and then if it takes you, if you move up a level every year, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, that's how it happens, I guess. Corey Kluber was kind of like that. Yeah, a bit. Uh, I was trying to think of anyone else, but the Austin Adams was always the one. Like, it always floored me every time I actually acknowledged how old he was because when you, he's coming up, you think, oh, young, fireballing pitcher. I, I remember that too because age. I think it was. Tw- uh, Maybe it was 2016 when I thought, all right, this is the year where this guy could actually find a role in this bullpen. He throws in the upper 90s, for God's sake. And I think I, I'm like, usually when a player reaches that point, when it's time to grab it by the reins, you're thinking, oh, they're probably like 25, 26, maybe just about to enter that prime. And he was like 30, going on 31. I'm like, where did... Where was his prime? <laughs> it was spent uh, in college, not just like the rest of us. Uh, he and Sean Armstrong was like that too, where he threw hard. And I'm thinking, look at the minor league numbers. He's he's got to have some success at some point, right? And uh, he's now 29. Yeah, it, it was yet? always the two of them being that reliever with options, like the role you. You never really want, though you'd rather have it than not have a professional pitching career. But and, 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 you know, they were so similar, too, and their ages aren't that much different. Are we sure that they oh, aren't the same TJ, guy? Bah, bah, come on over bah. to the dark side. 
you can subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Stitcher, Spotify, where we occasionally do some serious podcasts. But we also get a little silly when, you know, there isn't real baseball to talk about. And Zach doesn't want to talk about his out-of-the-park team that he's doing over at the Athletics. So whatever, he signed in for the first time in three months. So congrats to you for doing that and taking part in your draft, which you said held up everybody else's pick. I'm sure everyone was just thrilled with the way that you handled oh, that. Uh, but uh, but you, you had more important things to do, like uh, tell people about your book. How's that going? How how are uh, how are the early returns on uh, on people enjoying the the ninety five Indians book that you recently finished and and now have, I will uh, say my mother read it in two sittings and gave me five stars on Goodreads. So there's that. Um, it officially wow. I wish I knew of any other authors that went on there and it put on will be officially released reviews. on May twelfth. But conspiracy theory. If you pre-order it, you'll get it long before then. Unless you're listening to this after May 12th, then you probably won't. Um, but yeah, again, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Triumph Books, or go ahead, support your local bookstore. If you're in the Cleveland area, they'll have it. Cause... Did you have a, uh, a favorite story, something you Ooh. didn't know going in that you found out in the book? You don't have to give it all away, but something to... Maybe wet the appetite a little bit. There's a lot, but you didn't tell me you were going to ask me this, so I'm not prepared. Well, I thought maybe, you know, on your book tour, you might have been well, asked that at least once yeah. or twice. I'm still appalled that you don't think between you and I that's a drivable difference. <laughs> I really want this book. You've told and me many times that you I basically live in another state. <laughs> um, there's a bunch. I mean, I... I Anything related to Albert Bell, certainly, and how close they were. I think I mentioned it, but how strongly they considered just cutting ties with him before he ever blossomed into a viable big leaguer. Um, but more so just like, it was just refreshing to hear, like, first of all, criticizing the strike zone in the World Series is something I, ne- I never thought I would ever hear that guy. And it's so funny because there was one time when Kenny Lofton just went on this tirade about the this balls and strikes in the World Series. And I basically, it was just like, give him the floor and get out of the way. Um, I think I gave him like his own sidebar <laughs> in the World Series chapter because I was like, not even going to touch this. This guy said it better than I could ever say it. And he basically said like, we didn't lose the World Series. The Braves didn't win the World Series. The umpires handed it to them on a silver platter. So I was like, okay, so guys are still bitter about that 25 years later. That's interesting. But then to hear Jim Tomey phrase it in his words where he's like, well, you know, like uh, if I had to say like the strike zone maybe wasn't 100% neat and cool and like just hearing him kind (laughs) of tiptoe around it. Those pitches were out there all the time. Um, it was all that was out interesting. There. I, I, honestly, because no specific little story is coming to my mind, and I can prepare something maybe for next podcast. But the coolest part was hearing guys. I mean, we we know that that lineup was filled with talented sluggers, right? But it's how much work they put into that. I don't think. I don't think they get the credit they deserve when you talk about 
everything Albert Bell did, he was so meticulous with his note cards and his just studying and swinging every day. And the fact that they had like Eddie Murray and Dave Winfield and listening to them talk, certain guys talk about how they'd be sitting on the bench and like Dave Winfield and Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murray, <laughs> Shrek, <laughs> Dave Winfield and Eddie Murray would just call out what pitch the pitcher was going to throw next. And like, they could just, and I, on trash cans at this time but like they had their own system essentially um just because they had these veterans who had been around the game so long and were such prolific hitters and they just knew how to solve pitchers so quickly um so it was cool getting some insight into that element because that's it's not something people ever talk about they just think oh albert bell steps up to the plate he's super strong and he just see ball hit ball and it wasn't so simple Well, I can say that I can now – I can be happy for the rest of my life knowing that I've heard you do Eddie <laughs> Murphy being the donkey. In but Shrek. what was I really quoting there? Because Michael Scott does that. <laughs> so I was really quoting Michael Scott doing Eddie Murphy doing Shrek, uh, the donkey. Uh, uh, okay. Oh, Okay. Until next time when you can dream up your own conspiracy theory and share it with us on Twitter at Selby's Godcast. And if you do that, Perhaps we will we will share the best of them. And apologies again to Betsy Clink. We're sorry, Betsy. We are out of here. See ya. The Selvius Godcast featuring Zach Meisel and TJ Zuppi is presented by our supporters at Anchor. To help support the podcast, visit anchor.fm slash Godcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, we sure hope you do, be sure to leave us a five-star review. And if you have suggestions, drop us a DM on Twitter at SelbyIsGodcast. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.